you informed and inspired. We're not, 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 they is yeah we are playing it sounds like we're playing last week's show from last wednesday so hopefully we can get that turned off and get going for today so um, <laughs> you go folks i guess i'll let myself talk instead of talking over myself travels uh, Let's see here. Exceptional qualities um, suitable for Taylor, why don't you just uh, stop hey, Simeon? Hit the stop Macedonia button on Simeon. So that way that doesn't start playing anymore. Because at the moment, there we go. That's much better. Okay. Today is actually not last week. Today is actually today. Today is Wednesday, October 25th, the Feast of St. Seed. St. Seed was born around 620 and lived to 664. He was a missionary bishop from the kingdom of Northumbria and was sent to evangelize the East Saxons in England. Now, he actually converted King Siegbert the Good, which is interesting that he's known as King Siegbert the Good. He decided to become Catholic and he reconverted his kingdom. So, a great story, right? But St. Seed, the story goes on. St. Seed excommunicated a count who was in his kingdom. And this count was in a unlawful and a scandalous marriage. He had concubines that were living with him. And he forbade the faithful from entering into the count's home and to even dine with him. This is a very scandalous thing in our day, but a very necessary thing to not associate with public scandal. And so King Siegbert continued to visit the Count's house despite St. Seed's orders. Now, one day, after attending a lavish dinner at the Count's castle, he encountered St. Seed on his way home. The King and St. Seed, they were both on horseback, dismounted to greet each other. This, as a side note, is a great example of the level of chivalry that was present in this time where they would think about it this way. Imagine if you ran into somebody that you respected while you were driving and you all both decided to pull over, get out of your car and shake hands, get back in your car and continue on your way. Right. That would be a very cumbersome thing to do. And that's essentially what was happening with them on horseback. So the saints gaze move the king so much that he realized his faults, prostrated himself on the ground before St. Seed and begged for forgiveness. Now, this is interesting because people have this idea of monarchy that it's this grand dictatorship, but on Christendom, we had to understand that the, the temporal sphere was subordinate to the spiritual sphere, and the kings understood this. Now, you would expect that the story goes in this way. You would expect the king to repent and St. C to say, you are forgiven, and for everything to end hunky-dory. It does not. St. Seed, with his staff in hand, forewarned the king, saying, Since you do not refrain from entering this castle, you will die here. This is a very hard saying that we hear from St. Seed. The king, disregarding the warning, continues to visit the count's castle. And eventually, 
the count would stab him in the back and he died where he law prostrate before Saint Seed. Saint Seed's warning is a reminder that the king of a divine warning that we see in sacred scripture, where repentance sometimes averts foretold disasters. You think about the story of Nineveh, where Jonah says, Nineveh will be destroyed. And what happens? They repent. They put on sackcloth and ashes. And what happens? The destruction is averted. So St. C tells the king, you will die here. And if he had decided to not return to the count again and to reject the count for his sins, he would have lived. Now, this is something that we should all keep in mind, lest us think, oh, I'm glad I'm not like them. I think about this often when I think about the Jews and the the judges, how the Jews rejected God over and over and over again and went back to worshiping pagan idols over and over and over again. And so we ask, can we apply this to our own spiritual lives? And I say, of course. How many times have we been warned about this or that sin, that infidelity, a bad action? We do not listen and we continue on the same path. Thus, we should be prepared to receive the consequences of our bad actions, the death of the body and the death of the soul. If we die in this condition, we will go to hell. Traffic accidents happen all the time. The newspapers are filled with such stories. And reading these reports, do we think about how many persons who die in traffic accidents go to hell and how many go to heaven? So what do we ask for in the Feast of St. Seed? We ask St. Seed to pray for us to reveal our hidden faults and to give us the grace to be repentant for it and not just be repentant for it, but have amendment of life as well. St. Seed, pray, pray for, for us. us. Joining us right now is Rudy Carlos. Good morning to you, Rudy. Good morning, Adrian. It's good to be here. Woo-wee. We're midway through the week. Midway. Can you believe we made it this far? (laughs) But at what cost? (sighs) So much. I have a list. You want me to read it? (laughs) Um, No, we don't have time for that. Maybe later. Saint Seed. Wow. Isn't that a crazy story? That is pretty crazy. It uh, keeps subverting your expectations throughout (laughs) this whole story because you're like, oh, yeah, King Siegbert the good. Is he going to do good things? Well, yeah, he converted his kingdom, but then he ends up like losing his own soul. So whoops. Hmm. Now, how do you spell Saint Seed? Is it S-E-E-D or S-E-I-D? Honestly, I'm going to tell you that I'm probably pronouncing his name wrong. It's spelled C-E-D-D. Oh. So maybe it's like Ched or something like that. Like it's, 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 it's a North Umbrian saint. So it's got to be like an East Saxon pronunciation. So like, I don't know. It could be like Ked or something like that. (laughs) It's it's probably something like that, but I have no clue. It's 600 years. Like there's no 600 North Umbrian person that's listening to the show right now. So they're not going to be like, Adrian, that's not the correct pronunciation. It's actually this though. My friend, um, Dr. Brand, he, he would know the correct pronunciation. (laughs) He, he's very uh, fluent in old English and middle English. Um, so he would probably be, I would be like Adrian, this is clearly the correct pronunciation. So I'll have to ask him later and see what that is. But yeah, oh well, oh well. Nonetheless, coming up in this hour, at 15 past the hour, Cardinal P. Sabala has a new letter. And I'm going to read some of that to you because I think it's very important to read in regards to the situation in Israel. And 33 U.S. states are suing Meta, alleging Instagram fuels youth mental health crisis. We'll talk about that. And we want to talk about this yesterday, but we ran out of time, and we'll see if we have time to cover it today. An off-duty pilot is charged with 83 counts of attempted murder. 
Yikes. At 83. We'll, we'll talk about that at 15 past the hour. At 30 past the hour, Kim Schwartz is gone with us to talk about pro-life news. So we're going to talk about that at 30 past the hour. In the next hour, I have a really, really cool story that I saw that I want to share with you. And unless uh, Rudy beats me to the punch, Ohio Catholic is standing for life. A very cool story. We'll talk about that in the next hour. But let's begin with prayer. We're going to be praying for your intentions. We're praying for our friends, our family, our benefactors, all those that we promise to pray for, for the salvation of souls, the liberty and exaltation of Holy Mother Church. And we pray for my grandfather, that he be miraculously healed of his cancer. We pray to Our Lady of the Rosary, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. O Virgin Mary, grant that the recitation of thy rosary may be for me each day, in the midst of my manifold duties, a bond of unity in my actions, a tribute of filial piety, a sweet refreshment, an encouragement to walk joyfully along the path of duty. Grant above all, O Virgin Mary, that the study of thy fifteen mysteries may form in my soul, little by little, a luminous atmosphere, pure strengthening and fragrant, which may penetrate my understanding, my will, my heart, my memory, my imagination, my whole being. So shall I acquire the habit of praying while I work without the aid of formal prayer, by interior acts of admiration and of supplication, or by aspirations of love. I ask this of thee, O Queen of the Holy Rosary, through St. Dominic, thy son of predilection, the renowned preacher of thy mysteries, and the faithful imitator of thy virtues." Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. You're listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And here are some of your breaking news and stories today. The UN agencies urgently appeal for unimpeded flow of humanitarian aid into Gaza. Such a complicated story. Sometimes the aid gets stolen by Hamas. But nonetheless, there are lots of uh, poor people there who are in need of of humanitarian aid. Now, the humanitarian situation in Gaza is dire, with a desperate need for continuous flow of aid and medical assistance. The insufficient aid deliveries through the Rafah crossing from Egypt are unable to meet the needs of the 2.3 million uh, person population. The lack of fuel is a major concern since it's essential for transportation, electricity, and water desalination. The non-functioning hospitals and clinics in Gaza are unable to cope with the enormous medical burden. Urgent humanitarian intervention is needed to address this human catastrophe. And New York can resume family DNA searches for crime suspects, a court rules. New York's highest court has greenlit the resumption of familial DNA searches, a technique that aids law enforcement in identifying blood relatives of potential suspects by combing through their DNA databases. The New York Court Appeals overturned a previous ban on the practice, which was challenged by two individuals concerned that they would be unfairly targeted due to their family members' crimes. The decision applies solely to the state's DNA data bank, distinct from genealogy research databases operated by private entities, a.k.a. the Mormons. Uh, proponents of the familial DNA searches have proven have said that these uh, techniques have proven instrumental in solving cold cases, eliminating suspects, and exonerating the wrongfully convicted, as well as bringing closure to cases involving unidentified human remains. And I'm sure we're going to be talking about this later in the segment here, but uh, Facebook and Instagram fuel youth mental health crisis with addictive apps, according to a lawsuit. Nearly three dozen states, including California and New York, have jointly filed a major lawsuit against Meta, the parent company of Facebook and Instagram, accusing it of exacerbating a mental health 
crisis for the youth by exploiting the addictive nature of its social media platforms. I can attest to this. The lawsuit alleges that Meta ignored the sweeping damage these platforms have caused to mental and physical health of our nation's youth and engaged in deceptive and unlawful conduct. They claim that Meta's business model encourages excessive use by teens through harmful features and cite research linking Meta-owned social apps to negative outcomes like depression and anxiety. The states are seeking unspecified financial damages and injunctive relief to prevent these practices. Those are some of your headlines today. May God bless all of your efforts. The Gospel today comes from Luke chapter 12, verses 39 through 48. Now, this is a pretty long passage, but I'm only going to focus in on just one verse. Verse 48 says, But he that knew not and did things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. And unto whomsoever much is given of him, much shall be required. And to whom they have committed much of him, they will demand the more. Now, this is a very concerning saying, especially in regards to our prelates. As St. Bernard talking about this, he lays down forcibly and point by point to Pope Eugenius III what and how much God requires from pontiffs, bishops, and prelates. This is very interesting because St. Bernard tells this to the Pope himself. He says, consider thyself, he says, as the form of justice, the mirror of holiness, the exemplar of piety, the asserter of truth, the defender of the faith, the doctor of the Gentiles, the leader of Christians, the friend of the bridegroom. And he goes on and lists all the titles of the Holy Pontiff. And he says at the end, he says at the end, who would not be struck with fear and tremble when he heard this, all of which is required of your see. This is a hard saying. St. Chrysostom said, I wonder if any guardian of the souls can be saved. Cardinal Bellarmine said the same of the pontiffs. Hence, wise and holy men have avoided prelacy and have only accepted them by compulsion. St. Cyprian wrote of Cornelius the pontiff, he did not demand the popedom for himself nor seize it by force as others puffed up with arrogance and pride have done, but quietly and modestly. Finally, when it ends you with what Pope Pius V said when he was elected pontiff, he said that he became pale and fell into a faint, saying, when I was a religious, I had very good hope in my salvation. But when I became bishop, I dreaded it. And now that I am pontiff, I almost despair of it for how can i scarcely answer for all these souls when i can barely make account for my own this is dale alquist with a chesterton minute what is a patron saint the classic professions such as soldiers or doctors have patron saints who represent the ideal of soldiering or doctoring And yet, so many of the trades and crafts on which the modern world depends do not have an ideal figure. There is no patron saint of plumbers, for instance, and G.K. Chesterton says there should be. It would be a revolution, for it would inspire each individual plumber to consider that there was once a perfect being who actually did plumb. In the meantime, what do plumbers and the rest of us do? Chesterton says, keep before your eyes the supreme adventure of virtue. If you're kind, think of the man who was kinder than you. That's what is meant by having a patron saint. Want more than a minute? Visit us at Chesterton.com.
org. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to pray for religious vocations. Wouldn't it be great if everyone prayed daily for vocations to the religious life? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. You know, before I forget, I forgot again this morning. I'm thankful to Rudy for reminding me. The Catholic Spirit Radio is having their fall, or their winter, I suppose. What is the season right in right it's now? It's fall. Yeah. Are you okay? Dude, it's, it's Houston, <laughs> Texas. We don't have fall, okay? It's 80 degrees outside. What do you mean? We had fall for a weekend. We did have fall for a weekend. It was really nice, actually. Now we're back to summer. Uh, but we are at the... And if you're in Illinois, you actually do have fall. Nice. And so they are having their, their fall appeal and their, their theme is one million potential listeners full sheen ahead. And so I think that's pretty awesome. So if you are in the Illinois area, if you're listening to Catholic Spirit Radio, uh, make sure you tune in for their fall appeal, especially since they're honoring Archbishop Fulton Sheen, who is um, nearby in Peoria, Illinois, which Catholic Spirit Radio is in normal Illinois. So that's pretty awesome. They're having Sheen experts all throughout the the week, or actually it's today and tomorrow. They're having Sheen experts today and tomorrow to talk about uh, Fulton Sheen, and so you want to tune in for their fall appeal. Plus, Debbie Giorgiani will actually be hosting as well, as well as uh, some other EWTN personalities. So make sure you tune in and remember to always support your Catholic radio station. Nobody else is out there supporting Catholic radio. It's just you. Uh, so if you love Catholic radio, make sure you reach out to your local Catholic radio station and provide your pledge of support. Uh, we'd be very grateful. So praise be to God for that. Now, on to something that is... um what Rudy called lighthearted news. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a terrible story, but nothing bad happened, so it's okay to laugh about it because it is kind of a crazy story. So an off-duty pilot is charged with 83 counts of attempted murder. And you're like, oh my goodness, what did this, this pilot do? Like 83 counts of murder? He tried to like, like shoot 83 people or stab 83 people? No! He tried to shut the plane off. He was in the plane, and he decided to try to turn the engine off. This was Alaskan Airlines, by the way, which weren't we just talking about Alaskan Airlines like a week ago? Yes, actually, Alaska Airlines, and this ties into the story, believe it or not. Alaska Airlines was faced with a conundrum. Okay. And they were saying, why does everything taste so terrible up in the air? Well, you know, there's a scientific reason for it. You know, the lack of oxygen it affects our taste buds and... Mm-hmm. So they said, all right, let's go to the drawing table. The most important thing that we can work on right now is our coffee. So they get together with Stumptown Roasters, and they come up with this brand-new coffee. And it turns out that this coffee, it makes you crazy. 
No, it doesn't. No, I'm no, just it kidding. Doesn't. No, but they, they, yeah. So the story that I mentioned last week was they are reformulating this coffee that tastes better up in altitude. It has nothing to do with what happened. Right, right. I was like, <laughs> I was like, where is this going? So this guy, Joseph Emerson, he was on right en um, route from Everett, Washington to San Francisco, and that was his first problem. Uh, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> so he was doing a a jump seat. So if you are a pilot. Or a someone who uh, works in the in the airlines, you can have what's called a jump seat, meaning they have an extra chair in the cockpit, it's oh. like, and so you can fly for free, and so you sit in that cockpit. So normally, like you and I, if we're in the plane, we can't have access to the cockpit. It's one of the things that was changed after nine eleven, was that they lock, they seal the cockpit. You're not getting in. It's impossible. Like you'd have to like get a, a, a welder gun and just like melt down the door to get in. You're not going to get in. And so he was already in the cockpit because he was a pilot and they gave him a seat because they're allowed to fly free. That's a perk of being a pilot. And so he triggered a security alert when he tried to disrupt the engine's operations. The vice pilot informed traffic control that he had been uh, subdued and they were going to land in Portland so the, the law enforcement could take hold of him. He was then taken into account. So people are thinking, okay, so so what's the deal here? What was he doing? A terrorist attack? What's going on? No, the dude was tripping on mushrooms. Oh, man. But he was he somehow, I don't even, I'm, I'm curious to see where the story develops. I'm curious to know how this happened. But allegedly, he was struggling with depression and was taking psychedelic mushrooms per court documents. And so he was just tripping in the middle of the cockpit. And I guess who knows what's going through someone's mind and they're tripping. And so he starts messing with things, trying to shut the engine off. And so he's subdued. Uh, so thanks be to God. He was carrying no weapons. The crew successfully secured the cabin without any incident. And the passengers were reaccommodated in a later flight. And they were given travel vouchers as well. And so there's going to be an investigation on everything. But I mean, at the end of the day, I really, what I really hope is that they do nothing because this is just a freak accident that no one could have predicted. There's nothing, I guess, sort of short of doing drug tests on everybody coming through the airport, which I don't want people to don't do. Don't give them ideas, and, Adrian. Well, that's what I'm concerned about. That's what I'm concerned about. I'm like, they're going to be like, okay, how can we prevent from this from ever happening again? And they're going to do something crazy like, okay, now you got to do a drug test as you're coming through the airport. Well, it's actually a funny thing that you mentioned that. It's it's the TSA's fault because, you know, you can't take mushrooms through the, the checkpoint. So the guy was like, I'm not going to let you have them. I'm going to eat them now. <laughs> you know, kind of like what, how I you do not. with chocolate and other stuff. Like we, there was that lady who chugged her bottle of wine oh, because she was man. bringing on the NTSA who told her that they weren't allowed to do it. But then guess what happened to her? She had to go to the hospital, probably. They didn't let her on the plane because she was drunk. Uh. So <laughs> you're allowed to drink, but you can't be drunk. So they, they didn't let her on the plane anyway. TSA, I, this is a whole other topic. Things I'm not going to get Things we this. do out of spite, you know. Ah, dude. So I don't think that's probably what, I don't, that's not what happened. <laughs> Definitely but, not. That was a joke. Yeah, that was a <laughs> just joke. Just in case people are yeah, wondering. <laughs> just in case. Um, but Hopefully they yeah. know my humor by now. Maybe not. You never know. <laughs> so here's the thing. I just hope we don't end up making the security apparatus stronger and more intense because I am sick and tired of TSA. They have under their own studies. They do very, very little to save anybody. They stop almost zero terrorists. They are mostly useless. So let's not give them more power. So I hope at the end of the day, nothing happens. Then we just all recognize this was a freak accident. Let's hope this doesn't happen again. Um, anyway, on to this, his eminence, 
And I always try to struggle with getting his name right now because I'm like, which title goes first, his beatitude or his eminence? Um, his beatitude slash his eminence, Cardinal Pisabala, has released a new letter. I'm going to read an excerpt of that letter for you. It's a pretty long letter. And so I recommend reading the entirety of it. It's published on a number of outlets, so you can go find it. I'm reading it from National Catholic Register, um, but here is an excerpt from it. Dear brothers and sisters, may the Lord give you peace. Next, October 27th, the Pope has called for a second day day of prayer and fasting so that our intercession may continue. It'll be a day that we will celebrate with conviction. It is perhaps the main thing we Christians can do at this time. Pray, do penance, intercede. For this, we thank the Holy Father from the bottom of our hearts. My conscience and moral duty require me to state clearly that what happened on October 7th in southern Israel is in no way permissible, and we cannot but condemn it. There is no reason for such an atrocity. Yes, we have a duty to state this and to denounce it. The use of violence is not compatible with the gospel, and it does not lead to peace. The life of every human person has equal dignity before God, who created us all in his image. The same conscience, however, with a great burden on my heart, leads me to state with equal clarity today that this new cycle of violence has brought to Gaza over 5,000 deaths, including many women and children, tens of thousands of wounded, neighborhoods raised to the ground, lack of medicine, lack of water, and basic necessities for over 2 million people. These are tragedies that cannot be understood, which we have a duty to denounce and condemn unreservedly. The continuous heavy bombardment that has been bounding Gaza for days will only cause more death and destruction and will only increase hatred and resentment. It will not solve any problems, but rather create new ones. It is time to stop this war, this senseless violence. Yes, I cannot live this extremely painful time without looking upward, without looking to Christ, without the faith that enlightens my view and yours on what we are experiencing. Without turning our thoughts to God, we need a word to accompany us, to comfort and encourage us. We need it like the air we breathe. I have told you this so that you might have peace in me. And the world will have tribulations, but take courage. I have conquered the world. John sixteen thirty three. It takes courage to be able to demand justice without spreading hatred. It takes courage to ask for mercy, to reject oppression, to promote equality without demanding uniformity while remaining free. It takes courage today, even in our diocese, in our communities, to maintain unity, to feel united to one another, even in the diversity of our opinions, sensitivities, and visions. I pray for us all, and in particular for the small community of Gaza, which is suffering most of all. In particular, our thoughts go out to our 18 brothers and sisters who perished recently, and to their families whom we know personally. Their pain is great, and yet with every passing day, I realize that they are at peace. They are scared, shaken, upset, but with peace in their hearts. We are all with them in prayer and consecrate solidarity, thanking them for their beautiful witness. Finally, let us pray for all innocent victims. The suffering of the innocent before God has a precious and redemptive value because it is united with the redemptive suffering of Christ. May their suffering bring peace ever closer. We are approaching the solemnity of the Queen of Palestine, the patroness of our diocese. The shrine was erected during the t- another time of war and was chosen as a special place to pray for peace. In these days, we will once again reconsecrate our church and our land to the Queen of Palestine. I ask all churches around the world to join the Holy Father and to join us in prayer and in the search for justice and peace. With sincere prayers for all, Pierre Beatista, Cardinal Pisabala, Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem. 
Uh, so there's a excerpt from it. I jumped around from beginning to middle to end and just covered the main points. But October 27th, day of prayer and fasting. And the 18 brothers and sisters he refers to is the, he's talking about the uh, Orthodox church that was uh, bombed in Gaza that was, uh, that killed 18 um, Christians. So that's what he's referring to there. So there's that. Um, so let's keep that in prayers. And I never heard of Our Lady Queen of Palestine before. So there you go, Queen of Palestine. Pray for us. And on to this story and the little time we have left here. 33 U.S. states sue Meta, alleging Instagram fuels youth mental health crisis. We probably will bring the story back up again, just because I think this will be a great conversation to have. The question here is, well, there's two things here. One thing is that the government is being sued in 33 states, including California and New York, which is kind of weird. I think California is leading it, actually. And here's the thing. I like it because I would want social media to be restricted. I don't think kids should just have unfettered access to social media. I personally am not a free speech absolutist. Um, so, I mean, somebody got mad at me one time because I'm like, I was like, Adrian, that's not very freedom of speech of you. And I'm like, dude, I've never claimed to be a free speech absolutist. Um, so that's not hypocrisy. It's just, that's just my opinion. That's my position. So I kind of like it. I like this as an idea. The problem I have though, is that people are saying that they have to do this because social media is addictive because social media is an addiction and we need to get the kids off of it. They're say they're violating consumer protection laws. And I guess in one sense, I'm thinking, okay, I can get behind the idea that they are exploiting kids Kind of like if you offer kids, I don't know, you you would never you would never offer kids anything that is mm, overly temptive, temptative, right? You wouldn't say, okay, let's fill our schools with candy and things like that because then they're going to be tempted to eat way too much candy. They haven't formulated the habits and the virtues of temperance yet, and so under in that sense, okay, I get it, I understand that. My question is though, where what is the risk there? What is the risk? So we'll probably bring the story back up maybe tomorrow and talk about this more in depth. But I wanted to put that on your radar. It's very interesting. 33 U.S. states all in agreement. Conservative and Democrat. That's very weird. We'll be right back with more. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Who are the 10 most well-known preachers in America? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Here's the list. Copeland, Osteen, Benny Hinn, Joyce Myers, T.D. Jakes, Stephen Furtick, Andy Stanley, Robert Jeffers, Rick Warren, Alistair Begg, John MacArthur. Well, secondly, all these pastors say the same thing on Sunday morning, which is, turn with me in your Bible. Well, then how's the harmony regarding, say, eternal security, disagreement, present-day ministry of the Holy Spirit, Disagreement. Relationship of baptism to salvation. Disagreement. Church government. Disagreement. Life beginning at conception until natural death. Disagreement. And eschatology. Disagreement. So what's going on here? Well, if you are someone who says, all I need is the word of God, brother, because the Bible is going to give me everything I need to live out the Jesus life. Okay. Hope you've already ditched your favorite blogger, your favorite preacher, your favorite podcaster, and most of all, your religious Google searches. Well, speaking of Google searches, I do request one last Google search for you. Magisterium. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to share your Catholic faith with one another. 
Wouldn't it be great if everyone eagerly shared their faith? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and here are more breaking news and headlines for you. The Texas AG sues Biden administration for cutting razor wire used to secure the southern border. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxson has filed a lawsuit against the Biden administration, accusing the Department of Homeland Security and Customs and Border Protection of cutting razor wire intended to secure the Texas border. The lawsuit highlights instances where the CBP agents allegedly cut the wire barriers to assist illegal immigrants trying to cross into the United States. Texas has strategically uh, positioned uh, concertina wire, I think that's the specific type of wire, concertina wire along the border with permission from landowners. But the suit contends that the federal government has repeatedly cut the wire even during a significant influx of illegal crossings in September and October of 2023. And here's some good news. A federal court confronts Colorado pro-abortion law. A federal court has stopped Colorado from enforcing its ban on treatment to reverse an incomplete so-called medical abortion, ruling that the law violates the religious freedom of a pro-life Catholic medical center. The operators of Bella Health and Wellness stated that they were relieved and overjoyed to continue helping the many women who come to their clinic seeking help, adding that some of these women have had abortion pills forced upon them and some changed their minds. Now, that's some pretty good news. I'm sure we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But uh, those are your headlines this morning. And thank you so much for listening to Catholic Drive Time. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Now, I, before I forget, I wanted to mention one last time because I'm... I have this really common problem of just uh, forgetting things. I don't know. I think I'm. Uh, I think I'm losing my mind. I think I'm getting old. I'm, I'm getting up there in age. I'm getting to that age where you know you start forgetting things, and people are like, "Adrian, stop talking." I had somebody, um, somebody recently was like, "Adrian, every time you talk about being old, I, I get upset because you're only 25." And <laughs> uh, so never mind. Never mind. I'm not. I'm not. But nonetheless, the. We are having our fall appeal for Catholic Spirit Radio. And so I want to give a shout out to Catholic Spirit Radio. I think it's pretty awesome because they're having Fulton Sheen experts on for their fall appeal to talk about Fulton Sheen. Their theme is Full Sheen Ahead. And I think it's kind of cool, too, because they're in Illinois. And Peoria, Peoria Illinois, is where Fulton Sheen grew up. And I've been there because I, I love Fulton Sheen. So I've been to Peoria, Illinois, and pray to his tomb there. It's a pretty awesome place to go. Uh, so tune in and remember to always support your local Catholic radio station because no one else is. It's either you or it's no one. So make sure you're supporting your Catholic radio station. And if you live in Illinois, that would be Catholic Spirit Radio. Uh, but joining us right now is Kim Schwartz. She's with Texas Right to Life. Good morning to you, Kim. Good morning. Happy to be here. Oh, praise be to God. I'm glad to have you on. Now, there were a number of stories that were um, <laughs> on throughout the month this week. In fact, I was looking through the ones that you sent me, and I was like, man, there's like that many. And then this morning, there's like another like four that came up. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, my goodness. There is a lot of information. But I guess we'll start from the beginning. Uh, city dedicates half a million dollars to abortion groups. Texas Right to Life sues. Uh, tell me about this. All right. So last month, well, obviously it's the month of the Holy Rosary. So we're going to have a lot of pro-life victories this month. So uh, thank you to Mary for that. One of those victories is Texas Right to Life suing the city of San Antonio. 
Last month in September, the city dedicated half a million dollars to give to abortion groups. And they named groups that send women out of state for abortions and also um, actually coach women how to have illegal abortions here in Texas and get abortion pills by mail. So naturally, the liberal city council said, let's give taxpayer money to that. That's a great idea. However, uh, whenever the government gives money to organizations that are committing crimes, that means the government is complicit in their criminal activity. And I know most people are listening and thinking, like, what else is new? The government being complicit in (laughs) uh, illegal activity. But uh, especially this uh, life-ending activity of abortion, we do not want taxpayer dollars to be involved in that. And so Texas Right to Life sued to stop the city of San Antonio from actually giving this money to the abortion groups. They've already earmarked it. They've already set it aside in the budget. And they haven't actually dished it out yet. And so we're suing to stop that, prevent them from giving any taxpayer money to the abortion groups. Naturally, the city council, um, they're not defending themselves, actually. They are saying yes. So in the media, whenever they were uh, responding to this lawsuit in interviews, uh, they weren't saying like, oh, well, what we're doing is legal. They're saying, but we haven't done the illegal thing yet. So... (laughs) That's a defense for you. That's a take. Um, So you can see they're hopefully going to uh, backpedal from this and realize like they are uh, in the losing corner here. And it's important for pro-life citizens to step up and fight back because the other important thing to realize with this case is that if San Antonio succeeds in giving taxpayer dollars to abortion groups, do you think they're going to be the only city that does that? You know the city of Austin, um, even in other states, too, that might have conservative state governments, but uh, local liberal governments, that they're going to try to um, you know, replicate that. So it's important that we stop it here. Kim, um, I'm wondering, you know, I'm just thinking out loud here. Um, when we go to the post office, for instance, and we ship things out, you know, there's always that little uh, prompt that they give you like, hey, are you shipping anything liquid, fragile, lithium batteries, that sort of thing? Is there anything in in place that would prevent you from shipping out medication like this or so-called medication so that people can have abortions like that? Yes, but Joe Biden. So that's that's my okay. short answer there. Um, it by federal law, it is illegal to um, ship things that are illegal into. So like um, somebody in Colorado could not ship marijuana to someone in Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, and so whenever Roe v. Wade was overturned. The uh, Biden administration was asked, like, hey, for the Postal Service, like, should they be looking into these organizations that are mailing abortion pills? Because we know that it's illegal in some states. And the Biden administration basically responded, well, we don't know that they're going to illegally have an abortion. What if they just went to this abortion website and ordered the abortion pills, but then just didn't have the abortion or didn't intend to use those pills for an abortion? Hmm. That's their argument. Very bad argument. Um, not surprising, though, from the Biden administration. Well, I guess I should just order ghost gun parts then. I guess the same so. thing, right? Just don't I'm not, put them. I'm just together. not going to put it together. Yeah, just don't put it together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a strange thing. Well, I mean, I could see this um, working because I'm just thinking about the way that they do um, birth control, right? They'll be like, "Oh, yeah, we're going to prescribe you birth control, but it's for this other thing, though." It's not actually to prevent birth because, I mean, I know you said you don't want to do that, but you got to be on birth control because you have X, Y, or Z problem, and they kind of just push it that way. So I could imagine a situation they're like, oh, yeah, well, I mean, the abortion pill also does other things, too. 
And so we're going to prescribe it for that reason. It's just coincidental that you also are pregnant and want an abortion. Um, I can imagine something like that happening. So. That's, that's the reason the Biden administration is using. The city of San Antonio, though, they are explicit. In, and the mayor said, if we can pay for women to travel to other states for abortions, we're going to do that. Uh, and so obviously pro-life citizens were upset by that. And so uh, Texas Right to Life stepped in and sued the city government. We're going to see how that plays out. Um, but we're really optimistic about it. And I think that this is a good opportunity to build a record, especially against these um, abortion funds, because we don't have abortion clinics in Texas that are killing babies like here on our streets. But you have this like travel agency kind of mentality of these groups, even Planned Parenthood still operating as like a, an abortion travel agency for women to go to other states. And so uh, it's also important to know lawsuits are not free. So if you want to read more on this and chip into our lawsuit, you can go to TexasRightToLife.com. The, there was another story kind of related to this, and I want to kind of go to that. Um, I'm not sure if you are caught up with it or not, but uh, you can let me know. I saw this story this morning, and it was kind of confusing because it said U.S. saw increase in abortions after Roe v. Wade was overturned. And then I was reading through the statistics, and it was saying, okay, over a 12-month period, Illinois had 21,000, Florida had 20,000, um, North Carolina had 11,000, and California had 8,000. And I'm thinking, and these are rounded numbers. And and they, so they say that was the increase, but then they said there was a giant decrease as well. Texas was down 37,000, Georgia 20,000, Tennessee 13,000. And I'm looking at this, and I'm thinking – how does this add up to an increase? Do you, are you familiar with that story? Do you know what's going on here? Yes. So uh, yesterday this actually came out. Um, New York Times and CNN, um, they published a story on new data that suggests that abortions in the year after Roe v. Wade was overturned, that abortions actually increased. And so the underlying premise of that headline that they're trying to push is that abortion bans don't actually save any lives. You're not actually accomplishing what you're trying to do. But. Uh, but our immediate reaction should be skepticism of the data or at least skepticism of their conclusion because uh, they have this narrative that they want to push that uh, abortion bans don't actually save any lives. Um, but the so we can see in these trends, we can already start poking holes in that narrative. So one is that abortions in states where uh, it's very liberal, like California, New York and even Illinois, um, they were already increasing before uh, Roe was overturned. And so what we we're still working on this, but we need to look at whether that is um, a massive increase or what what the different rate is that mm. we've seen. Yeah. When we come back, we will cut, touch on this. Plus, did you hear about Britney Spears? Yikes. That's a very concerning situation. And we'll talk about that when we get back more with Kim Schwartz when we get back. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. How many times have you heard the complaint that church is boring, that we just do the same things over and over again? Well, the problem is not that church is boring, it's that we are bored. We are the problem. And not just with church, but with everything else. We have lost our childlike sense of wonder. G.K. Chesterton says that children have abounding vitality, and yet they want things repeated and unchanged. They always say, do it again, and the grown-up person does it until he's nearly dead. For grown-up people are not strong enough to exult in monotony. 
But perhaps God is strong enough to exult in monotony. It's possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun, and every evening, do it again to the moon. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to do some Bible reading. Wouldn't it be great if everyone read the Bible regularly? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. Uh, Joining me right now is Kim Schwartz with Texas Right to Life. Uh, We are talking about pro-life news, as we would do. Love it. Yeah, praise be to God. And uh, we're covering a story before we went to break. Uh, The U.S. saw increase in abortions after Roe was overturned. I wanted to kind of wrap that conversation up. And Kim was telling me during the break, really interesting thing that we should kind of make as a takeaway but before we get to that i want to say at the end of the day it doesn't actually matter if the if it's not decreasing and it's actually increasing that doesn't change the fact that we should still want to ban abortion because the law is a teacher and so whenever the laws reflect that we love abortion if the laws reflect that we hate life if the laws reflect that we are okay with murder, that is a negative for society in and of itself. Even if nobody, even if everybody ignores a law, or if nobody ignores a law, because the following law is a separate issue than whether or not the law is there. Those are two separate issues, and the fact that the law needs to be there is a very important thing. Despite the fact. So even if we all say we're going to make abortion unthinkable and so abortion is perfectly legal across the states, but zero abortions, we should still make it illegal because it is the right thing to do to say that murder should be illegal. That is just the right thing to do. It reflects that we want our laws of our country to reflect the law divine. Uh, But Kim had a really interesting point that she was sharing with me during the break about these the kind of the perception of what's being put out there. Oh, yeah. So you'll see these headlines from uh, New York Times and CNN and all of these uh, big media outlets uh, with this story saying alleging that uh, pro-life laws did not make a difference, that abortion bans uh, didn't actually result in an, a decrease in abortions. Um, but they'll try to say to the same thing or different things in the same breath. And so you'll remember back in July, there was a report that came out that said there was a 10,000 increase in births in Texas after the Texas Heartbeat Act took effect. And when that news came out, these big media outlets were saying, oh, this is so terrible. So many women were forced to give birth to these children who are going to grow up in poverty. Like, this is just terrible that 10,000 babies were born. And so they'll say that was the effect of the abortion ban. But now they're saying there was no effect on the abortion ban. They don't care uh, which one gets you to the conclusion of abortion bans are bad. They just want you to believe abortion bans are bad, even if the data behind it actually contradicts itself whenever you come out with the studies. And so what the big indicator will actually be as uh, time goes forward is whether there's an increase in births or not in the states uh, that have abortion bans. 
um, that's going to be the real solid kind of um, thing that you can't argue with as much like we saw in Texas with the Texas Heartbeat Act. But until then, the big media outlets, the liberal activists, they don't actually care um, what the studies say. They don't actually care if there are lives saved or not. They just want you to believe that abortion bans are bad. Yeah, I think this is something that we have to keep in mind, especially in regards to the public perception and public conversation when you're out with your your friends, your family, your coworkers, because 99.9% of people, and I'm just making up the statistic, and did you know like 90% of statistics are completely made up on the spot? Um, yeah, it's true. Don't fact check me on that. The, the, the idea here is that vast majority of people do not read beyond the headlines. They do not read beyond the headlines and they don't read the footnotes. In fact, one of my favorite theological journals, actually, their uh, their subtitle is always read the footnotes. And I think it's interesting because people will throw out these claims You're like, where did you get that from? Show me your sources. And they're like, no, I won't. Uh, so that's kind of the big deal. So for you and I, we need to be aware of it so that way we can debunk this when it comes up because it will come up. It will come up and people are going to be like, see the back alley abortion, see the coat hanger abortion, see these things are happening. And we have to be uh, ready to give a defense of the hope that is within us. Okay, on to this story. Britney Spears reveals abortion regrets in new memoir. And I honestly don't talk about pop culture hardly ever because honestly, I don't care. And especially with a lot of these people like Britney Spears, I didn't care about Britney Spears. I didn't care about Justin Timberlake when I was a kid. And so I definitely don't care about them now that I'm a grown man. So I'm like, okay, whatever. No big deal. But I think it actually is important to keep in mind because these things influence society, influence culture, and influence young people. Because for some reason, a lot of young people actually care about what celebrities say and do. And so I think it's a very telling situation. And it reveals a little bit of truth and the abortion situation. Uh, Kim, what were your thoughts on this? Uh, same as you, I am not invested in pop culture. I have never paid any mind to Britney Spears um, until this story, actually. I started writing an article last week for Texas Right to Life about uh, Britney Spears revealing in her new memoir that she had an abortion, and she said, to this day, it is the most agonizing thing I've ever experienced. And she reveals, actually, it wasn't that she wanted the abortion. She was excited to be pregnant and excited to be a mom and have the baby. Um, and Justin Timberlake said, uh, pressured her against the abortion, allegedly. Um, and he was saying, you know, well, I'm just not ready to be a dad. This is not right for us. Uh, we're too young. She was 19 or 20 at the time. They were both 19 and 20. And um, so Justin Timberlake allegedly um pressured her to have the abortion. And so this, digging more into it, you could see actually uh, the profound regret um, just scattered throughout her life. You know, Brittany has not been uh, in the best position over the last 20 years or so. Um, there's definitely a lot of trauma there, but this abortion, you can see, has added to that trauma. She said afterward, after the abortion, she was um, crying on her bathroom floor, just sobbing on her bathroom floor. And Justin Timberlake allegedly uh, sat on the bed and played guitar to try to comfort her or something during mm. her morning after uh, the abortion. Yeah, I mean, it reveals, I mean, it reveals truly what abortion is. Yeah. Because abortion is not just another surgery. Yeah. And people like to say, oh, you know, it's like removing an appendix or something like that. And look, I am a wimp when it comes to surgery. Okay. 
I'm a wimp when it comes to dental work. Uh, all that stuff. Do not like it. I'm like, no, I don't want to do it. I'm like complaining the entire time. I hate it. And when I get home, I'm miserable. I'm sulking. I'm upset that I have to go through it. And I'm like, oh, I hate this. But you would never see me mourning over a surgery. Uh, I may even say, man, if I had, when I have my wisdom teeth out, I was like, darn, I missed my wisdom tooth. And I'm like, oh, well, whatever. And I, I was kind of upset. I'm like, darn, I missed my teeth. But I'm never like weeping over the fact that I'm missing my teeth. I'm not crying I'm like, oh, my teeth are gone. But what do you see when people have an abortion? We know intuitively, even though people try to brainwash you and say it's not a baby, you know. Justin Timberlake saying he's not ready to be a dad. I hate to tell you, you are a dad. You're the father of a dead child now. Committing an abortion does not make you no longer a father. It makes you the father of a dead child. That's what it does. And just like someone who has a miscarriage or someone who has a stillbirth or a child dies young, you're no, it's not like you cease to be a father. You're still a father. You're still a mother. And this is something that they don't grasp until it's too late. And I say until it's too late because they think that, oh, once I have this abortion, then I'll no longer be a mom. I'll no longer be a dad. But once they do it, they realize the mistake they made. And it hurts. And it stays with them forever. And there can be healing after abortion. And there's great groups like Rachel's Vineyard that help you heal after abortion. But the very fact that that even exists, I mean, I've never had to go through uh, a healing after wisdom teeth removal where I have to get coping mechanism for losing my teeth. And you do for that. Why? That's the question, right? Why is that the case? In the same sense, people are freaking out and saying, Justin Timberlake, pressure of an abortion, that's so terrible, how dare he, yada, yada, yada. And I'm thinking, wait, it's either a clump of cells or it's a baby, right? It's either a clump of cells or it's a human life. And it can't just be based off of whether the mom wants it or not. It has to be objective. And so people say this, and it's absolute absurdity. And lastly, what happened to the feminism movement? What happened to women make their own choices, right? Either men can pressure or they can't. Either women are responsible or they're not. And I would say, of course they are responsible. And of course the man is responsible as well. They both are. They are both complicit in the act. And they're both required to be sustaining the child. They have a duty to the child. And if one of them commits abortion, they're both at fault. And if they decide to keep the child, they're both responsible for the child. In both ways, they have responsibility. They have a duty to that child, and they do not get to lose that duty. The lies of feminism uh, get broken down whenever you see these things play out. So I want to move on to this other story, um, and there could be a lot more said there. And let's look at Texas Right to Life for that article uh, when it comes out. But this story low-key shook me, uh, not because I was surprised, but just because of how explicit it was joe biden compares abortion to god and banning abortion to satan tell me about this uh again not surprising from joe biden uh so a while ago he tweeted uh trying to say trying to appeal to i guess moderate voters and he tweeted um my dad used to say don't joey don't compare me to the almighty compare me to the alternative uh which first of all 
We all need to uh, pause and realize anytime Joe Biden tells a story about his dad or his childhood. Allegedly. I think he says Joey, the, everything else after is going to be a lie. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> just, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt, though. So he's saying, uh, Joey, don't uh, don't compare me to the almighty. Compare me to the alternative. He continues in the tweet. Um, Republicans want to uh, ban abortion and Democrats want to codify Roe. And so his his angle there is to say, you know, the almighty, they're the Democrats who want to protect uh, Roe v. Wade. And the Republicans are the devil because they want to save babies from abortion. And there are so many uh, cringe, cringe moments in uh, if, in that theology there from uh, first off, the basis of do we respect life or not? And obviously, Joe Biden has uh, missed the mark on that one time. And again, um, it's not too late. We still pray for his conversion. Um, but also the theology behind it that uh, we shouldn't compare ourselves to God. We wouldn't sh- we shouldn't strive to be like God. Just as long as we're better than the devil, we're OK. It's like that's not the best take. I think there was a, a joke that um, – who was it? There was a popular Catholic speaker who made this joke once, and I've always remembered it, but I cannot remember who said it. And then I've heard it, other people use the joke before, and I'm like, who was the original person who said this joke? And I can't remember. But he says – he's like, look, this the most of us, the majority of us, we're like, look, I'm not Adolf Hitler – and I'm not Mother Teresa. I'm like somewhere in the middle there, and that's okay, right? And it's like, no, like you should you should strive to be just like not Hitler. Uh, you should strive to be perfect, and I think that's very important for us. I also like what you you put in the email when you sent this to me. You said <laughs> it shows on so many levels how cringe Joe Biden's theology is. One hundred percent. So true, Kim. So true. Pray for based theology for Joe Biden. <laughs> All right, we're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, I have a really awesome story to tell you. We're talking about some bad news. Let's talk about some good news when we come back. Our family had been going through a crisis. Little by little, we just found ourselves drifting completely away. I was afraid to go back. I mean, I cried the first time I received the sacraments again. Cried because I was back and because I had allowed God to become a part of me again. It's united our family. There's peace in our home that we didn't have before. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Have you heard about life coaching? Hi, this is Coach Felicity with your Stand Tall Today Coaching Minute. Coaching is one of the things Jesus did with his disciples. Whenever they were stuck, overwhelmed, or even struggling a bit, Jesus asked questions that brought clarity and hope. He then used ongoing conversations that helps them to navigate the path and completely change their lives. Just like the disciples, we too can find ourselves feeling stuck, overwhelmed, and struggling a bit. Maybe you need help in your marriage or with a parenting issue. You're navigating a loss, you want to improve your health, or advance your career. At StandTallToday.com, our experienced coaches will help you to take another look at life, renew your hope, get past those challenges, and step into living abundantly. You can find out more about coaching and schedule a free introductory call by visiting us at StandTallToday.com. Listen, life is too short to stay stuck. Contact us at StandTallToday.com. 
Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to study a section of the catechism. Wouldn't it be great if everyone read the Catechism of the Catholic Church? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. We are a young and diverse generation, helping those in need and promoting human rights. We care for the environment. We embrace authentic witnesses and dream of a better world. Our passion comes from God, who loves us even when we fall and cheers on our victories. If you sometimes wonder, is there something more? Then come and see at CatholicsComeHome.com. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. We were having a very intense discussion right now, and I have a question for you. I have a question for you that we were asking other people. This is very important. This is the top of the news articles. Put everything aside for a second. I have a question for you. Can you picture in your mind a photorealistic apple? And rotate it. And then can you rotate it around? Can you spin it around, turn it up, see the stem, turn it to the back of it, and you see all that? Can you, it's like a cat file almost in my mind. I'm like, yeah, like, like a cat, cat file. file. Like it's actually it it's a fascinating question, and, and we're kind of joking around about it, but it, it really is fascinating. It turns out that not everybody can do this, and and to the degree of realism, uh, you know, people can go full on real, and some people. Imagine cartoon apples, which is so strange to me. And yeah. some of them might be color and some of them might not be. So apparently there's a spectrum. I'm not sure what any of this means other than it's fascinating to me. Yeah, it's pretty but, interesting. Uh, I was like – I can do it. You can do it? Yeah. Uh, I can, can you? do it. Yeah, I can do it. Fascinating. It's, it's pretty interesting. I mean I, I was never really thought about it until you were talking to – telling me about it on the, on the bus a couple uh, – last week. Oh, And I yeah. was like, I was like <laughs> um, yeah, I can do it. As you do. Apple. That's good bus yeah. talk. That's good bus talk. And so now – you're welcome. You now have Rudy and I's private conversation that we're having on the bus right there for you. Okay, I have a really cool, fun story. We're speaking of pro-life news. I have an awesome story that I want to share with you. I'm going to be way over dramatic about this, so just um, just be aware. Just just preparing you for the over dramaticism. And I'm going to uh, should I do it in like um, movie narrator voice? Like in a world where nah, should I? No, nah, I'm not going to. So. In a quaint town of Milford, Ohio, where the aroma of freshly cooked meals wafts through the air. You smell that? It's mm, very, very tasty. High on the windowsill. There's a restaurant that became the epicenter of a fierce battle. And Cooper Blue, owned by the courageous Brian Arlingaus, stood proudly amidst the brewing storm. One day... A bold sign planted in front of the eatery, shouting defiantly, vote no on issue one. The town buzzed with fervent debates, and within Cooper Blue's walls, opinions clashed like titans. Our regalia say devout Catholic transformed his restaurant into a sanctuary of truth. 
to him. It wasn't merely a political fight. It was a clash of cosmic proportions. A battle between right and wrong. Issue one, a contentious referendum aimed to etch the right to abortion into the soul of Ohio. He backed by his faith, declared that this was too far. Even Governor Mike DeWine, a moderate voice, echoed this sentiment, affirming that it contradicted Ohio's spirit. And despite the raging tempest, Cooper Blue stood resilient, the kitchen sizzling, serving delectable burgers and tantalizing tacos, while the atmosphere crackled with energy. Amidst passionate discussion, Cooper Blue gained an unexpected reputation, not just as a dining haven, but a symbol of unyielding courage. Was that dramatic for you enough? Now I want a burger. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go to Ohio and get a burger? Well, yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> so I saw this story and I was reading it and I was like, this would make a really good dramatic, dramatic story because this guy, he actually lost his employees. His employees quit because he did this and he refused to back down and he continued to hold his, the signs out and he had other images throughout his restaurant of uh, holding pro-life values. And I think this is a very beautiful thing to see and very courageous thing to see. Because, I mean, a lot of us will talk about being courageous. A lot of us will talk about standing up for our values. And we get mad when others don't. But here's the thing. You have no idea whether or not you would do it until your job is on the line. And the question is for you. Ask yourself, if this was you and your job and your current situation... What would you do? Would you be brave enough to do it? Not all of us would. And this guy did. And I think that's incredible. I think it's incredible that he stood there and was defiant against the mob, against public opinion. This is a very, very courageous thing to do. Human respect is something that attracts all of us. We all desire human respect. We all desire to be loved. And this is why in the litany of humility, we say, from the desire of being loved, deliver me, Jesus. Because the only person that we should strive to be loved by is our Lord. Everyone else, secondary. Everything else, secondary. And this is what we should desire. And so he actually had to shut down his restaurant for several days because he had nobody to work. And so after a few days, he was able to reopen his restaurant and it is now running back to normal. Uh, so praise be to God. And I hope many people in the Ohio area who may live around in Milford, Ohio, that they are going to support him, that people are going to shop there. And I also hope, because we were talking about this yesterday with uh, the public square, public SQ, they he's on that list and people can go out and support they, your local local restaurants and your local conservative groups. Because, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, this is how we change culture. The way we change culture is by supporting people that have our values. And not only that, but also to give other people the courage to stand up for right belief. Because most people, the vast majority of people, are not courageous. They're not morally courageous. So what is our job? Our job is to make it easy for them to be courageous. Our job is to give them the safety net to know if I stand out, if I put my neck out, some people will be there to support me. There'll be people there that are not going to hate me. 
This is the way we have this attitude with our priests, our bishops, our politicians, and our store owners, our peers. A peer pressure is not always bad. Peer pressure just means pressure from your peers. And so peer pressure can be good and peer pressure can be bad. I think about the Maccabees and I think about there is a, these saints. I'm forgetting the names of the saints. They were a family of saints and they were going to be executed. And what does their mom do? Their mom says, y'all go out there and y'all go be martyrs. And you're thinking, dang, mom, chill. Jeez. But that's exactly right. They're getting pressure from their mother to do what? To be saints, to be heroes, to be martyrs. Uh, Most of us, we have uh, parents that are pressuring us to be football stars, to be musicians, to to go to Hollywood and become great athletes. How many of them are asking us to win the race? of heaven how many parents how many siblings how many friends we're gonna have peer pressure no matter what and people we peer pressure we pressure our peers all the time you do think about it remember that time when your friend didn't want to go out and you wanted to go out and you're like come on go out with us oh come on you're just do that work later come out and eat with us it'll be so much fun what is that that's called peer pressure is it bad? Not necessarily, unless you're doing something bad. But it, it can be good. Maybe your friend just doesn't get out a lot, and they should get out. They should go hang out with y'all, and you're going to go do virtuous things. Of course, that's great. And that's my point. Peer pressure is not always bad. And so we have to peer pressure our friends, our family, our coworkers, and peer pressure the good people to do the virtuous thing. The people who are naturally disposed to want to do good. They need the encouragement. They need the pressure to stand up and actually execute what is good. I see this all the time with my friends where we all get together and when we're together, we all agree. We agree with each other. We all hold the same positions. We all believe in the same things. We all love God and we want to do good. But then with some of our friends, they go back into the, their work sphere and they go back to these other areas and they change their tune a little bit. Why is that the case? Why do they change their tune a little bit? It's not because their beliefs changed. It's because they're scared to stand up. And rightfully so. They should be scared because we know the media apparatus will come after you. You can, in fact, lose your job. That is a real threat. This can happen to you. And so... We shouldn't just deny the reality and say, no, everything is going to be great if you do the right thing. No, God said things are going to be wonderful. There's going to be no suffering for you. No, our Lord, our lady, when our lady appeared to St. Bernadette, what did she tell her? She did not say, I promise you, you will have sunshine and rainbows. She did not say you're going to have chocolate for every meal and never get fat. Oh, man, imagine if she said that. That would have been great. No, what did Our Lady say? She said, I do not promise you happiness in this life, but in the next. If you read the old Baltimore Catechism, what does it say in there? The Baltimore Catechism says, what is the purpose of life? What is the meaning of life? And it's so funny to me. These old movies, TV shows, books where like the guy went on a journey to the heights of the Himalayas to discover the meaning of life. It's like, bro, just read the Baltimore Catechism. It's like question number seven. Um, it's right there, dude. What does it say? The meaning of life is to know, to love, and to serve God 
in order to be happy with him in the next. What's the key phrase there? In order to be happy with him in the next. Not in this life. God does not promise us happiness in this life. He does not promise us ease. He does not promise us worldly success. In fact, he promises the opposite. In fact, those prosperity gospel preachers are giving you a lie because God promised us the opposite. He said that we will be persecuted. That's why he says, blessed are those who are persecuted for his sake. Because it's not saying that, oh, you might be. He's saying you will be. He says, a servant is not greater than his master. And if his master, you and I, who is our master, our master is Jesus Christ and the Blessed Virgin. And so if a servant can be greater than his master, we should suffer at least as much as our master did. And if our Lord was mocked, derided, scourged, and crucified, what can we expect of ourselves? Think about it. Our Lord was mocked. He was called a liar. He was called a blasphemer. He who was the Almighty was called a blasphemer. He said that he was disrespecting authority. He who was above all authority was disrespecting the high priest, was disrespecting Herod, was rejecting the authority of Pilate. He did none of those things. It's a lie. It's a calumny. If they will lie about our Lord, if they will scourge our Lord, and think about it, they saw the crowd, the mob, saw our Lord bloodied, scourged to the point of death and then presented in front of the people. And what did the crowd say? Crucify him. So what do they expect of you and me? What does God expect of you and I? If that's the way they treated our Lord, what will the mob say about you and I? And we see it all the time with council culture, right? They will make you lose your job. They will hate you make you apologize, which if you're apologizing for something you're not sorry for, you're a liar, by the way, which lying is a sin. They will make you do all those things. You will be bloodied and bruised in front of the public. And then what will they say? They say, all right, all's forgiven now. You can go back to your life. You go back to your work. No, instead they will say, crucify him. So what's the right attitude? The right attitude is to stay firm in the truth. Stay firm to Almighty God. Do not compromise, but instead be ready to be a martyr. If the saints can go and die for our Lord, can we be financial martyrs? Can we be the martyrs of human respect? That's the question for you. That's the question I have for you. And so for that reason, I wanted to give the shout out to this Cooper Blue, uh, Brian Arlingaus and his heroic stance for life voting no on issue one in ohio so if you know anybody in the area give that a shout out and uh, remember to vote no on issue one if you're in the ohio area know somebody in the ohio area but we're going to go into our fear and trembling game show so make sure you call in 877-757-9424-877-757-9424 that's number to call to be part of our game show fear and trembling we're going to be giving away a prize a Really awesome prize, I would add. One prize that I think, I mean, 
I actually have a couple myself, to be honest. So we'll tell you what that prize is coming up next. So make sure you dial now. The first caller will have an opportunity to be our winner. 877-757-9424. One last time, 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. What's the primary reason you chose your present church? Doctrinal positions, your family's church, the pastor, church friendliness, dynamic youth ministry? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, statistics. A survey showed that 87% of those who attend a non-Catholic church choose their church because of the senior pastor's sermons. Secondly, the reason for Catholics, this comes from Canon Law 518, which says, as a general rule, a parish is to be one which includes all the Christian faithful of a certain territory. And thirdly, my response, the average span of a mature Christian staying in a non-denominational church is between 18 and 24 months. Why such a short time? You know the reason. They came because we love the pastor and his sermons. He's so relatable and so current. Whoops, now they're tired of relatable and current, so just go down the street. They found some new relatable and current. Oh, the alluring draw of charisma. Fortunately, in a Catholic church, the sermon is not the central moment. Do you know what is the central moment? Body and blood. Over the years, people were treated as less than human because they were a different race, a different faith, or vulnerable. But over time, we must learn that we are all God's children, created in His image, that all human creation has an inalienable right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, a right to love and be loved. So let's cherish the sanctity of life because we know how it feels when others treat us as less than human. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. 757-9424. That's the number to call to be part of our game show, Fear and Trembling, where we give out prizes and you could be the winner. In fact, right now I'm looking at the phone lines and you could be that winner. All you have to do is call in because I got to tell you, the chances of you getting the questions right are incredible. So what do you do? Just pick up the phone and the first person to call in will be the... I honestly, I can pretty much just say you will be a winner. So make sure to call in 877-757-9424. And let me tell you what's going on. I, we are playing our Fear and Trembling Game Show. I have three Catholic trivia questions in front of me right here. And the trick is I'm not going to ask you the question. No, instead, I'm going to ask Rudy the question. He's going to give me an answer. And it's your job to tell me whether or not he is right or whether or not he is wrong. And every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what can they win? Praise be to God. This week, our sponsor is the Tridentine Brewing Company. Now, they've been brewing beer for the greater glory of God for many years now. And they're a family that brews beers not only to satisfy the most the most uh, Amazing of palates, the most sophisticated of beer connoisseurs, but also to nourish the soul and elevate the mind. Just think about that next time you have a beer. Uh, now, they've been uh, brewing for a long time. Unfortunately, we can't give away their beer. They actually don't sell it uh, because of laws, X, Y, and Z. But what they have, <laughs> what they have given us to give away this week 
is this incredible sign. You know, you think about the uh, – you go to a bar and they have these amazing metal tin signs. Well, they're giving us something similar and it's Cristero's themed. So it's a Cristero's Mexican lager sign. So you can put that in your garage. Maybe you have a – you have another refrigerator in the garage and you have your tasty beverages there. Just think about how awesome this is going to be. If you want to take a look at what this looks like, uh, make sure to sign up for our email list and join our Telegram chat. And I uh, have posted an image of that. But you're also going to receive some amazing stickers, uh, which they use to uh, to label their bottles. And I got to say, their graphic designer, tip top. Right? Tip top. Isn't it pretty Good cool? Stuff. Good stuff. So thank you so much, Tridentine Brewing Company, for sponsoring our game show this week. Yeah, my favorite is the the Habsburg one and the in the Empress Zita one. Mm-hmm. Impressive is Impressive. what they call it. Impressive. That's, That's amazing. such a good name. Ah. Dude, their branding is on so point. Hey, these names are just like so good. Mm-hmm. The graphic design, ten out of ten. I think it's so. My my buddy is uh, is the one who co-founded it with his brother, and his brother it does the graphic design for it. Wow. And I'm like blown away. I'm like, dude, your stuff is so cool. Uh, so check it out. And uh, he, we people harass people loved his artwork so much that people have been harassing him because they're like, look, we can't buy your beer because you don't sell it. Can you at least sell the stickers? Because I would love to have them. They're pretty cool. Uh, so then you can just buy just like a Miller Lite and just stick a sticker on it and be like, I'm totally <laughs> drinking this. <laughs> or put on your water bottle. So there you go, folks. We're giving that away, and I think it's pretty awesome. And, yeah, I, I like Trevor. Trevor's a great guy. We did an interview with him a number – a while ago talking about the morality of drinking. And um, he's a – yeah, so there you go, folks. But joining us right now is Mariano. Good morning to you, Mariano. Hey, good morning. Mariano, where are you calling in from? Uh, from Dallas, Texas. Dallas, Texas. Praise be to God. DFW area. You know, this week – we had a Houston caller, a Dallas caller. Oh, man, San Antonio is uh, is slacking this week. So praise be to God. Way to go, DFW. Uh, Mariano, where are you off to this morning? I'm off to work. Off to work. And where are you off to? Uh, what's, what is work? Uh, pre-sales. Pre-sales. Okay, well, there you go. Praise be to God. Um, now, Mariano, uh, what parish do you go to there in the DFW area? I go to San Francis of Assisi on Frisco. St. Francis of Assisi. Praise be to God. My little brother's patron saint is St. Francis. That was his confirmation saint. Uh, so big fan of St. Francis. Now, all right, Mariano, you are familiar with the game. You've been on in the past, right? Yes. Awesome. So you are familiar with the game. You know how to play. Are you ready to jump into it? Oh, yes. All right. Let's jump in. Question number one for you, Rudy. The question on the board is, which pope founded the Vatican Library? All right, so this pope, he had quite a conundrum. He had this guy, his name was Tommy. Mm. Tommy Aquinas. You you might know him as Thomas Aquinas. Uh, He goes by Tommy. Anyway, he really needed a bunch of books. Right, okay. And he was like, Holy Father, please, I need to get this copy. I can't get it anywhere. Please, you have a little bit of influence. You can get it for me. And he did it so many times that Pope Urban the Fourth got upset. He's like, you know what, Tommy? I'm just going to build you a library. That's enough. I have other people I want to meet. I have celebrities I want to meet with, you know, and, and you're just always taking my time. 
And so he built it. It was the first Vatican library, Pope Urban IV. Wow. Interesting. Interesting theory you have there. All right, Mariano, 15 seconds on the clock. The question on the board is, which pope founded the Vatican Library? Uh, Rudy has this amazing story he tells, and he says it's Urban the Fourth. What say you, Mariano, from Dallas, Texas? Well, uh, the Thomas Aquinas story sounds good. I will say he's right. Thomas Aquinas was insisting so much that Urban IV made right. his library for him. Well, let's see. Uh, survey says... Oh, <laughs> Mariano. Uh, oh, yeah, Rudy was spun you a yarn, being tricky. Friend. Yeah, he, that, that story was really... <laughs> that's a really good story. I'm like on the edge of my seat. I'm like, oh, man, what's going to happen next? <laughs> Completely made up. <laughs> <laughs> oh man you got the time period pretty accurate too though like urban the fourth would have been the pope <laughs> right before aquinas was uh was was doing a lot of his work so that the, the timeline checks out that's pretty that's a pretty good narrative you spun there uh no the correct answer was nicholas the fifth who was alive from 1447 to 1455, which is approximately 180 years after the death of Aquinas. I say approximately because I don't want to do the math right now. Give me the exact number. <laughs> um, so that was Nicholas V, but don't worry. <laughs> don't worry, Mariano. That was a tricky question. Uh, you did good. Are you ready for question number two? Yes. All right. This one I think will be a little bit easier, so let's see. Uh, the question on the board is, which woman... In scripture, did our Lord cure of seven demons? That's an easy one, Adrian. Mm -hmm. Anyone who's read scripture knows that it's Mary Magdalene. Mm. She was cured of seven demons, and then she was so grateful and so in love with our Lord that she followed him all the way to the foot of the cross. Wow. Wow. Praise be to God. Now, the question, though, is whether or not Mariano has read scripture. So let's find out. 15 seconds on the clock, Mariano. The question on the board is, which woman in scripture did our Lord cure of seven demons? Rudy says that it was Mary Magdalene who then followed him to the foot of the cross. Uh, what say you, Mariano, from Dallas, Texas? Yeah, it was Mary Magdalene. Oh. And even I saw him and saw that on the Chosen show. It's really good series. There you go. That begins with Mary Magdalene. So he has not read it in the scripture, but he did see it in the chosen. <laughs> All right. Let's see. Survey says that is correct, Mariano. That is correct. <laughs> uh, very good, Mariano. You got it right. There was Mary Magdalene. She was, in fact, cured of seven demons. And then she did follow him to the foot of the cross. Um, she's also where we get Easter eggs from. What's that story? Well, I'll tell you later, maybe in the after show, because we don't have time to share that story now. But just know, Easter eggs come from Mary Magdalene. Anyway, question number three, Mariano, are you ready? Yes, sir. All right, let's do it. Question number three, Rudy. In what city is the true crown of thorns preserved? And just as a hint, it's not Houston, Texas. Yes, I, I do have a crown of thorns right behind me. Um, but that one is actually not the real one. That's that's a that's a replica. It's a replica. All right. The true crown of thorns was stored 
in Paris, mm. in the grandest of cathedrals, mm-hmm. Notre Dame. Oh. Where it is now, I have no idea because one of the things that they took out of the fire, you know, when the cathedral caught on fire mysteriously, uh, they took out the crown of thorns and all the other relics. So I'm yeah. not sure where, where it is now. Okay. But it used to be Paris. I assume it's still Paris. Okay. Well, there you go, folks. I think it was an FSSP priest who actually rescued it. Yes, yeah, that's true. That's pretty cool. Anyway, side note. Uh, Mariano, 15 seconds on the clock. The question is, in what city is the true crown of thorns preserved? Rudy says... It was Paris in Notre Dame Cathedral before the fire. Now, it probably still Paris. I'm not 100% sure. What say you, Mariano? Is he right or is he wrong from St. Francis of Assisi Parish? Ah, Rudy, you are tricky, but this one I'm going to trust you. Please don't fail me again. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's see. Survey says... That is correct, Mariano. Let's go. Way to go. Mariano, if you're interested, I can give you a great uh, crash course in lying uh, (laughs) when you're doing your sales. You can increase your sales an incredible amount if you just lie. Oh, man, Mariano. This guy over here, he's he crafts his narrative so well that it's like, dude, that, that could have been a total lie, and I would have been like not surprised at all. But in fact, he was telling the truth. But great to go, Mariano. We're going to put you on hold, but God bless you. God love you. Great job. Thank you. All right, we're going to put you on hold. Don't go anywhere. We're going to get your contact information. Man, there you go, folks. Rudy the Tricky. He's a great storyteller. Spins that narrative. I love it. Weaves, makes that uh, that web of deceit. Okay, maybe that's a little harsh. It's just a game. All right, we're going to go to our after show. If you'd like to join us, we're going to share with you all sorts of awesome things. And Kim Schwartz is joining us in the after show. Hop on YouTube, Facebook, Rumble, Odyssey. You can interact with us directly. Questions, comments, concerns, soapboxes, negativities, positivities, or anything in between. We would love to get to it. So leave a comment. Join us there. Just look up Catholic Drive Time on any of those social platforms. But if not, we'll see you back here Monday morning. Or not Monday, Thursday morning. 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. God bless you. God love you. And I'll see you very soon. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Joining us on Guadalupe Radio Network, our online viewers, and for those present, today we celebrate Wednesday of the 29th week of Ordinary Time. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, early in the morning, our song shall rise to Thee. Holy, 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 merciful and mighty, 
God in three persons, blessed Trinity. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Brothers and sisters, let us call to mind our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. Almighty, ever-living God, grant that we may always conform our will to yours and serve your majesty and sincerity of heart through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. Brothers and sisters, sin must not reign over your mortal bodies so that you obey their desires. And do not present the parts of your bodies to sin as weapons for wickedness, but present yourselves to God as raised from the dead to life and the parts of your bodies to God as weapons for righteousness. For sin is not to have any power over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but un under grace? Of course not. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that although you were once slaves of sins, you have become obedient from the heart to the pattern of teaching to which you were entrusted. Freed from sin, you have become slaves of righteousness. The Word of the Lord. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Had not the Lord been with us, let Israel say, had not the Lord been with us, when men rose up against us, they would have swallowed us alive when their fury was inflamed against us. Our, Our help, help is, is in the name, name of the Lord. Lord. Then would the waters have overwhelmed us. The torrent would have swept over us. Over us then would have swept the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord who did not leave us a prey to their teeth. Our, Our help, help is, is in, in the name of the Lord. Lord. We were rescued like a bird from the fowler's snare. Broken was the snare, and we were freed. Our help is in the name of the Lord, 
who made heaven and earth. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Stay awake, for you do not know when the Son of Man will come. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus said to his disciples, Be sure of this. If the master of the house had known the hour when the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be prepared, for at an hour you do not expect, the Son of Man will come. Then Peter said, Lord, is this parable meant for us or for everyone? And the Lord replied, Who then is the faithful and prudent steward whom the master will put in charge of his servants to distribute the food allowance at the proper time. Blessed is that servant whom his master on arrival finds doing so. Truly I say to you, he will put him in charge of all his property. But if that servant says to himself, My master is delayed in coming, and begins to beat the men servants and the maid servants, to eat and drink and get drunk, then that servant's master will come on an unexpected day and at an unknown hour and will punish the servant severely and assign him a place with the unfaithful. That servant who knew his master's will but did not make preparations nor act in accord with his will shall be beaten severely. And the servant who was ignorant of his master's will but acted in a way deserving of a severe beating shall be beaten only lightly. Much will be required of the person entrusted with much, and still more will be demanded of the person entrusted with more. The Gospel of the Lord. This morning's first reading from St. Paul's letter to the Romans. St. Paul is inviting us to not be slaves of sin or slaves of the members of our body, but rather to be slaves of righteousness. I suppose on the one hand, we maybe would think to ourselves immediately, well, I don't want to be a slave to anything or to anyone. But really what St. Paul is pointing out is we human beings have been endowed with a free will. We were created free, but we don't live our lives in a vacuum. In other words, our freedom is not absolute. We don't get to decide what the truth is about reality around us. We don't get to decide who we are as human beings, who created us, and what our destiny in life is. And we certainly don't get to decide what is true and what is evil, what is good and what is false. Those are all things that we discover in the world, but we ourselves do not have an absolute freedom whereby we can determine them by ourselves. As a result, St. Paul's point is going to be we have 24 hours in a day, 
you have to dedicate your life and your time to someone or to something. And whatever that someone or something is, you could say that is what you are becoming a slave to. For a person who goes around and is trying to seek pleasure as their primary motivating force and makes of themselves a hedonist, well, this is what they are making themselves a slave to. Righteousness, on the other hand, in sacred scripture, is always presented as fidelity to the law of God or fidelity to the path of God. Of course, in the New Testament, Jesus himself is presented as the new law. He is the one that we are called to disciple and follow. And therefore, righteousness means becoming a follower of Jesus Christ and being faithful to who Jesus is and taking that on as our life mission and our life force. The virtue of prudence that we hear about in today's gospel really is about governing our lives and making decisions in accordance with our supernatural end, which is communion with the Most Holy Trinity. When we put those things together, ultimately what St. Paul is reminding us of and inviting us to is to say, your life came from God, you were made to live in communion with the Most Holy Trinity. This is your eternal destiny or your end in life. And therefore, use your freedom and use your time to bind yourself to following Jesus Christ because he is the one who provides the safest and the only sure passage to our eternal salvation. And as a result, he tells us, be free from sin so that you can be free for Christ, so that you can be free to apply yourself to living and following Jesus with all your heart. And this really then is what prudence is all about. How do I organize my day-to-day -day life? How do I make my day-to-day, hour-by-hour decisions in view of my supernatural end? Because if I'm able to do that on a day-to-day -day basis, well then, whatever the hour is for my life to end, whenever the Master is going to come for me, I'll be living my life in such a way that it is pre a preparation for living in eternal communion with the Holy Trinity, which is this life of perfect love. And so, my brothers and sisters, let us ask God for the grace that we would be freed from any sinful inclinations that prevent us to being faithful followers of Christ. Let us ask God for the grace that we would grow in the virtue of prudence to be able to always make decisions which are in accord with our supernatural end to live in communion with God. And let us ask for the grace that we would truly be free to follow Jesus with all our heart. Amen. Trusting in our Father's love and mercy, let us bring our petitions before him. We pray for our Holy Father, Pope Francis, for his physical and spiritual needs, we pray to the Lord. Lord hear our prayer. We pray for bishops and government leaders that they would be inspired by the wisdom and counsel of the Holy Spirit in their decisions. We pray to the Lord. Lord hear our prayer. We pray for the sick and the suffering that they would experience consolation in their faith and the healing touch of Jesus Christ. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For our family, friends, benefactors, for those who have asked for our prayers, for those joining us online and through Guadalupe Radio Network, and for all those enrolled in the Salt Mass Association.
We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For an increase in the virtue of prudence in our lives, that all our decisions would be governed by our supernatural end to live in communion with the Most Holy Trinity. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For an increase in vocations to the sacred priesthood and religious life, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For those intentions that we hold in our heart, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Merciful Father, we thank you for hearing our petitions and granting our prayers through Christ our Lord. O oh, worship the King, all glorious above, O oh, gratefully sing His power and His love, our shield and defender, the Ancient of Days, pavilioned in splendor and girded with praise. O oh, tell of His might, O oh, sing of His grace, whose robe is the light, whose canopy space, his chariots of wrath the deep thunder clouds form, and dark is his path on the wings of the storm. The earth with its store of wonders untold, almighty thy power hath founded of old, hath established it fast by a changeless decree, and round it has cast like a mantle the sea. Pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. Grant us, Lord, we pray, a sincere respect for your gifts, that through the purifying action of your grace, we may be cleansed by the very mysteries we serve through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Father most holy, through your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, your word through whom you made all things, whom you sent as our Savior and Redeemer, incarnate by the Holy Spirit, and born of the Virgin, fulfilling your will and gaining for you a holy people. He stretched out his hands as he endured his passion, so as to break the bonds of death and manifest the resurrection. And so with the angels and all the saints, we declare your glory as with one voice we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, 
Pleni suncelia terra, gloria tua, Osana in excelsis, benedictus, qui venit, Osana in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy. And you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, save us, Savior of the world, for by your cross and resurrection you have set us free. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to a second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray upon the oblation of your church and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself. Grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son and filled with this Holy Spirit may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, and with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth. With your servant Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, the Order of Bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family whom you have summoned before you. In your compassion, O merciful Father, gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. To our departed brothers and sisters and to all who are pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow on the world all that is good. 
Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Precepis salutaribis moniti, et divina institutione formati, audemus dicere, Pater noster, qui es in celis, sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra, panem nostrum coditianum, da nobis hodie, et imite nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitimus, debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil, graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccatamundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccatamundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccatamundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. For those unable to receive communion and those joining us online and through Guadalupe Radio, let us pray together the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you are already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. 
Father, we thank Thee who hast planted Thy holy name within our hearts. Knowledge and faith and life immortal, Jesus, Thy Son, to us imparts. Thou, Lord, didst make all for Thy pleasure, didst give man food for all his days, giving in Christ the bread eternal, Thine is the power, be thine the praise. Watch o'er thy church, O Lord, in mercy. Save it from evil, guard it still. Perfected in thy love, united, cleansed and conformed unto thy will. As grain once scattered on the hillsides Was in this broken bread made one So from all lands thy church be gathered Into thy kingdom by thy Son Let us pray. Grant, O Lord, we pray, that benefiting from participation in heavenly things, we may be helped by what you give in this present age and prepared for the gifts that are eternal through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Salve Regina, Mater Misericordiae, Vita Dulcedo, Espes Nostra Salve. A te clamamos, Exules Filii Heve, A te suspiramos, Gementes et Flentes, in hoc lacrimarum vale. Eha ergo, advocata nostra, ilos tuos, misericordes oculos, ad nos converte. Et Jesum, benedictum fructum ventris tui, Nobis post hoc exilium. Saint Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. 
prayer of deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Transmitting the treasures of our Catholic faith to your radio every day. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul.